We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. So, Ryan, let's move on to the mailbag. We had a lot of super chats. I want to get to those here. Obviously, some of them uh, we we can get to. I'd rather the light just be bright than for you to keep doing that. It's all good. It's all good, man. We'll figure it out. Um, so we have a super chat from Brandon Plesner, and, and we have some other super chats related to the Keon and recruiting that we kind of held off till now, so we'll get to those now. Uh, Brandon, thank you so much for your super chat. Appreciate that. As Bama even had a recent history of DN development or NFL success besides players currently on their roster. I thought NFL development was a giant factor for Keon, and I can't think of anyone from Alabama. So as pure pure edge rushers, number one, like number one, it's still better than Notre Dame's. And the, the push that Notre Dame would be getting from how well things are going with Isaiah Foskey is somewhat negated by the fact that Will Anderson's going to get drafted even higher. But we've seen some Alabama guys go in the first couple rounds at enemy. Jonathan Allen was not, technically the same kind of kid as Dion as, as uh, Keon Keeley, but he was still considered an end in their defense. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he was a first round pick and the Alabama defense because the three, four, he wasn't one of the edge yeah. guys. He was considered an end, um, you know, and he was a first round pick. We've seen a lot of interior players. Where was Ryan Anderson drafted? Was he a first second or rounds. second round pick? Second round. Second. You know, so we've, we've seen some guys like that, but you know, they haven't produced a ton of edge players. Was da- Dante Hightower was an off ball inside guy, correct? He's, he's an off ball. Uh, other edges I can think of are Tim Williams was drafted in like the third round. Right. I think, but no first round like picks. No, but they've produced. There's the, this is why I say Brandon, cause your, your point is spot on Brandon. Mm-hmm perception is reality especially with young people like i put i was going to put something out last night but i was like you know what this is going to come across the wrong way but i went through and i and i went through from like uh, you know the alabama recruiting classes and and i went through like all the different guys they've landed and and where those guys were picked and you know if you look from like 2010 to 2014 you know bama's only signed i think three defensive ends right that were five star top 10 recruits Deshaun Hand was a fourth round pick. Is he even in the NFL still? I think he's a backup somewhere. Okay. Yeah, he's, he's a fourth round pick. He never panned out. Uh, ben Davis is now at Texas. He won't get drafted. He, well, no, uh, did he go out he actually, last year? He actually was in this draft and he went undrafted. That so. was dumb. Yeah. <laughs> that was dumb. 
Well, I think uh, he was and, a fifth year guy, but I could be wrong. Yeah. And then they got a Yabi Anoma, who was like one of the top. I think he was like number some people one had a number one. He just transferred to Michigan. Did you see right? that? He's yeah. He's literally he's literally been at Alabama, Houston. Then he went to um, UT Martin. UT Martin, and now he's at Michigan. <laughs> <laughs> that's Michigan throwing the proverbial, you know, baloney against the wall and hoping it sticks, you know, Man. and that's who they've had a defensive end, you know, and, and so you're correct, Brandon, they haven't had that, but the perception is Alabama produces more first round picks than anybody else. And it's true. It just ha- doesn't happen to be there. And they've produced a ton of first round defensive linemen. Mm-hmm. It just hasn't been guys like him. Sure. And that's the thing they're selling. But the 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 sort of the negator that they have is the same one Notre Dame's trying to use. Well, I know we haven't had a first round defensive end since you know Ronaldo win in nineteen ninety eight, but we have Isaiah Foskey. Well, Alabama's like I'll see your Isaiah Foskey and raise you a, you know, um, a t- uh, Will Anderson. Anderson. I always want to call with, him Tim with, Williams with a, with a Dallas Turner waiting in the wings right. too. So, right. Yeah. You know, so but I mean, look, right. Notre Dame can <laughs> counter with a, a heck of a defensive end class of their own, but that's just sure. the perception. The perception is one thing for Notre Dame and nothing for Alabama as far as edge players, but the overall perception is true. They do produce more first round picks than Notre Dame by a wide margin. And that's something that Marcus Freeman's going to have to produce or fix. And he knows that he talked about this when he was defensive coordinator. You remember that interview you did with Chris Zorch? He was talking about, look, we got to convince kids that they can come here and get a great education, that they can compete for a national championship and that we can get them into the NFL and know that they got to be high picks, start doing those things. And Notre Dame is going to start, getting some of these kids that's just that's just a fact we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Pedro, we brought this up earlier. I really appreciate you you saying this. He said, "Thank you guys for this channel. You guys are good and great at what you great uh, good and great at what you guys do. I appreciate that." I'm just gonna assume he meant good was in me, great as in you. Uh, we'll just go with that. I was gonna but, say um, which which one is which there. I'll own that. I'll own that. You're definitely the great one in that sequence, but <laughs> no sucking up. We've talked about this. 
All right, Alan Watson with a super chat. Great, good show as usual, guys. Question, is there any plans on doing any live game time shows? So uh, game time shows, no. We will not be going live during Notre Dame games. Uh, it just, we'll have most of the staff will be at the game. I'll be at the road games. Uh, I've already got credentialed for Notre Dame's Ohio State. I've got credentialed for North Carolina, Navy. Uh, I'll be filling out my Syracuse credential request form here soon as well. But um, and then other guys are going to be there for road games. It's just it's hard to do it. I, you know, I don't I don't know if I would enjoy doing that during the game. You know, be worried about the chat and all that. And I just want to watch the game and evaluate. Plus, we have work to do. I have a, a game observations to write. You know, people have game you know post game stories to do. You know, we have content we have to produce. And the reality is, is YouTube is still our of our major revenue streams if we're gonna you know get it get into the weeds you guys know I'm, I'm honest to a degree with you guys honest to agree me some stuff i keep to myself but i like to let you guys know what we do you know our revenue streams are the website the irishbreakdown.com website the youtube channel our podcast platform and our message board and right now the the youtube channel is our by far our lowest generator of revenue and i don't know if it would be worth to take away from those other things to do an extra live show during the game. What we are going to do, Alan, is we're going to have a pregame show. So Sean Styers and I were talking about that today. We'll have a pregame show from 10 to noon every game day, every Saturday. We'll preview the Notre Dame game first. Then we'll dive into the national games, the big national games. So we'll do that from 10 to 2. And then, of course, we'll have our postgame show, which this year is going to be more than just me and Vince. It's going to be me, Vince, Ryan, and Sean Davis. And sometimes, you know, I'm, I may not be on till late because I'm driving back from a game or, you know, Ryan might be on, not be on at Clemson week. I'm pretty sure Ryan may not be on the post game show the entire time because he's going to be chasing down a million recruits, you know, or, or he's going to be on the show. But he's going to be like this the whole time, you know, like, oh, yeah, well, yeah, sure. Yeah, it was a great play, you know, texting with recruits. <laughs> um, but uh, so we want to try to provide more of a, of a raw. I mean, we're going to always give analysis, but sort of a raw feel or just our gut reactions, big plays. And then Sunday night, Vince and I will still do the upon further review, which will be more technical, more of a breakdown. Because what we found last year, Ryan, was, and I don't know if I've talked about this on the show or not, but the the post-game show and the upon further review are way too similar when it was just me and Vince. Because like, okay, well, you know, we broke it down already kind of yesterday, and now we're breaking it down again. And maybe notice a couple things, but it's not real different. And we felt like by getting the whole team involved in the post-game show that we could get more of a, of a different viewpoint, a different reaction, who saw things differently. There'll be analysis and all those type of things, but it'll be a little bit more uh, just bigger picture, different little aspects of the game. And then that way, upon, you know, upon further review, will allow us to kind of dive more into the weeds, the X's and O's, the analysis, and, and we're hoping to do a couple things a little bit differently th- with that this year. And, and so that's kind of where, that's kind of where I want to be. So I think that's where, that's where uh, we're moving with those. So. And, uh, and Alan, I'll right. say this real quick is that, you know, we'll have representation at pretty much every game, right? So if you want to yeah. come just talk shop, come out to yeah. the game, man. Yeah. Well, like all the home games, like I'll be, yeah. be tailgating as of right now, if not all, most of the home games, we're definitely going to be tailgating for, uh, for the Marshall game. My parents are going to be coming to town. My mom's going to be, cooking up a big old spread for that. And then next week we'll, Ryan will be in town the next week. And my parents, no, I'll, be, I'll be, I'll be in for Marshall. You'll be at Marshall. Okay. Yeah. Well, the next week, my parents are still going to be in town, but we're going to kind of cater that one a little bit. And then mm-hmm. the plan is just kind of, you know, have a, at least a get together may not be a tailgate in traditional sense, but at least a get together. We have drinks, we hang out and talk ball and, 
do all that kind of stuff at most of those games. So we'll also have a lot of that stuff too. And then that also makes it harder to do a live show because then I got to hustle back from the game and from the tailgate, get home and and do all that kind of stuff. So uh, it just, and we can't play the game live. Can't stream the game uh, on YouTube because copyright stuff. Right. So it just, it um, just to me, not uh, it's just not going, it's not going to work, but we'll have plenty on game day. Trust me. Plenty. And the nice thing too is, is in the past, like I remember the Virginia Tech game, we didn't get started on that game, that post game show till late because I had to walk two miles to the car and it took me forever to get back. Where now it's just like, hey, you guys get going now. 20 minutes after the game, get going now. I'll jump in when I get there. And because our staff is so much bigger and people that I trust and whose opinions I, I respect and trust, it gives me more freedom to say, hey, you guys got this. I'll get on when I can, uh, knowing that there's still going to be great analysis and great observations and, and great community. And, and you know, our staff all know each other. I mean, you, Sean Styers is kind of new, but Sean Davis, Vince, Ryan, you, we've all hung out together. We've, you guys have gotten to know each other. So I think it's going to make for a really, really great show. I'm very much looking forward to that. Very much looking forward to that. So very good question. Uh, Will Claw says, if we land Love and Lions plus quarterback and D-line and don't lose any commits, we will probably still finish ahead of Ohio State. Happy with 23 and losing Keon sucks. I, I think that's fair. Yeah. I think that's fair. And, and I'll say this. I don't know if they'll finish higher ranked from a point standpoint than Ohio State, but I'll, if they land those guys and, you know, the quarterback that – one of the quarterbacks that I'm hearing, I'm hearing a few different names. If they land one of the guys that I'm hearing and, and land just a good defensive lineman, I won't trade this recruiting class for Ohio State's, regardless of where they're ranked. Yes. And that is that is absolutely something that I'll take to the bank because I wouldn't trade it right now, and it is still ranked ahead of Ohio State right now. So we'll yeah. see who closes the best. And that's going to be – that was always going to be the key, Ryan. Can you uh-huh. close? Part of closing is hanging on to your commits. 100%. And the closing aspect for Notre Dame so far has been a little bit of hit and miss with this staff. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, Chancey Stuckey's done some really good things. Needed to close on Ronan Hannafin. He didn't, right? Okay, well, now he's got a chance to close on Tayshawn Lyons. Let's see if he can do it, right? Al Washington, done well in 2024. He got Bubakar, Devin Houston, but he couldn't close on Jason Moore, and he lost Keon Keeley. I mean, he'd lose him, but he did. I mean, he did. At the end of the day, he did. Yeah. So there's still work to be done, but when you're sitting here at number three with work to be done, it's a much better place than they used to be at, and that's the key for me. It's a must. I love the two parts that Will added in there at the end because this is something that we talked about earlier. We don't have to be too extreme either side, right? You'd be happy with twenty three in this situation, but it also sucks the Keon's out, right? Right. Like that—that's that's that's perfect. Will, in my opinion, is that you hit both sides of it. Still really good, but Keon's out, so it's things. Yeah, it does. It sucks because because. And I know people don't want to hear this, and and they don't think it's true because he went back on his word. No, I'm mean, get all that, but look, Keon's a good kid. I like Keon. I do. He's a good kid. And if you could, if you knew the struggle he's having right now, you know, I think you'd understand how challenging this can be when you've got different people pulling you in different directions. He's a 17 year old who's got this person saying, "No, Keon, this is what's best for you." No, 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 this is what's best for you. And he's trying to, to trying to weigh all that while Nick Saban's calling him and Ryan Day is calling him and Marcus Freeman's calling him and all that kind of stuff. It's it sucks uh, to lose a kid like that because I do think he's a great fit for Notre Dame. It just I don't think he realizes that anymore, or maybe it's just not as important to him anymore. You know, and that's why he because if it was, he'd still be in the class, right? I mean, that, that's yeah. the reality of it. If if he still valued that, um, you know, that's kind of where there where he would be. 
So thank you for the super chat. Thank you for William Chesney for that super chat as well. He says Brian Rye might have jumped the gun when talking gap closing with Alabama, not sold on their two quarterback recruits. Think we out recruited them in O line, linebacker, receiver, and tight end class top to bottom. We are right there, beat OSU and Will because Will was kind of saying this isn't a gap closing class, and I appreciate this sentiment, Will, and I definitely thank the the super chat. But look, Bama's not doing anything now that they haven't always done. And this is my point. Like Bama's not like one of the things Will had said. He was like, you know, they're they're um, they're pulling away from. No, they're not. If anything, the rest of college football has been slowly catching up to Alabama to a degree. Georgia has caught them to a degree, right? Mm -hmm. And we've talked about. You know, I still don't think they beat Bama if the injuries happened, but it would have been a close game. They're competitive with Bama. Sure. You know, Clemson's beat them a couple times. You know, there's other. You know, A and M beat them last year. I mean. I think Notre Dame is slowly closing the gap on them. I just want to speed up the gap closing process, but Alabama's here and it's just, you know, Notre Dame's kind of slowly working their way up and a guy like Keon Keeley jumps that sucker up a little bit. And, and Dante Moore does as well. But if you look at their classes, class for class, Alabama's got some really highly ranked kids that, that, that I would love to, I mean, Caleb Downs is a dude. Yes. You know, he is a top five player in the country for me. Uh, and Ryan, I think you and I are on the same page on that. But their offensive line class is incredibly overrated. That big six eight kid, and I'm trying to remember where he's from. Uh, oh, the, Ryan. Kid, the kid they just got right recently. It was the, uh, two kids the, ago. Yeah. yeah, like they've gotten two linemen lately. One of them's okay, but mm-hmm. they got a kid who is in the top 100. And when I watched that kid play, I was like, "You've got to be kidding me! This is not a top 100 offensive lineman." Uh, he is from Alabama. His name is Wilkin Formby, and mm-hmm. you know he's ranked number 80 overall by Rivals. I, Watch his film. You all tell me if you agree or disagree with me. And I'm like, nope, don't see it. He's a big kid who just pushes around in fear of high school competition, but he has not doesn't have good feet. He's stiff and he plays really high. Yeah. And it's not because he his technique is bad. He can't bend, Ryan. Yeah. And you know, a guy like I mean, Bubakar Traore is going to eat him alive at the next level with his length and his power. You know, Josh mm-hmm. Burnham is going to do that. Tyson Ford's going to do that. So. They've got some overrated guys too, uh, but you know Bama's not done either. I mean, that's the other thing. It's like you know Notre Dame. You may like a position now, but Bama's not done. They're going to keep adding kids. But I'll like you said though, Notre Dame's receiver class incredibly, incredibly better than Alabama's right now. I'll take mm-hmm. Cooper Flanagan over Ty Gatewood every day of the week, and I don't care what Ty Lockwood. Excuse me, Ty Lockwood's ranking is. Ty Lockwood's ranked higher than Cooper Flanagan. You can't watch his film and tell me he's a better prospect than Cooper. Flanagan. I agree with you. You, you, you just you just can't. That was the um, one thing about the Ohio State thing is that they lost that kid, but then they got the other kid that I thought was actually better. The other yes, kid than they got. Yeah, yeah, I think Jelani Thurman's a better prospect yes. than Ty Lock. And J- Jelani is a little overrated by like he's not a top hundred guy yet, but he has a chance to be. He's sure. he's a real raw kid. You know, he just he's got a lot to he's got to fill out his body. He's got to do this, but the tools are impressive. When I look at Ty Lock, I'm thinking like. Eh. Like yeah. he's Tiff, he's he's a throwback tight end for me. Not mm-hmm. real fast, a little tight, strong kid. But for a strong kid, supposedly strong kid as a blocker, he doesn't he doesn't really break a lot of tackles. Yeah. You know, so uh, I'm not impressed. Uh, that was a, a head scratcher for me. Great running back class, great running yeah, back class. No that linebacker class, not even close. And you know, right now their D line class has two guys in it. They'll get Keon. So I mean. No, Notre Dame's behind them because of their secondary class and their their running back class because some of those guys are ranked really high. Mm-hmm. But like for example, there's nobody in Notre Dame's class better than Caleb Downs. 
But with all due respect, Jaleel Hurley and Tony Mitchell, very good players. I think Notre Dame has DBs as good, if not better than them for me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And and Notre Dame's best DB, Peyton Bowen, isn't that far behind Caleb Downs. Caleb Downs is, no. the, is, the, is the best safety and the, the best defensive back in the country on my ranking. I actually yeah. I think I have him ahead of Cormani McClain. He's definitely the number one safety. But Peyton Bowen's a top 30 player on my board. And, yeah. and you I mean, know, so, from, from a talent perspective, you can have a conversation. It's just that, you know, Downs is more advanced. Sure. Right now, obviously. Sure. You know? Oh, that's a good point. That's because yeah. Downs can step on the field right now and play. Yes. From a technical, physical, and athletic standpoint, Peyton can step on a play from an athletic standpoint, but he's still got mm-hmm. a lot to learn about the position. Exactly. But you are correct. We've said this before. If Peyton Bowen reaches his potential, he's as good as any safety in the class. And we said that when we thought Nurim had a shot at Caleb Downs. But Caleb Downs right now, best safety in the country. But one of the best safeties, I would argue, you could make a case he's the best safety prospect since Kyle Hamilton in 2019. I think you could make that case. It's yeah. debatable, but you can make that case. So to me, it's Bama's ranking is high because of they have some guys that are overrated. I'm, have you seen Jaleel Hurley? Nice player. I don't think he's a top hundred guy, uh, or he's a he's not. Excuse me, he's not a guy that I think is necessarily better than some of the guys Notre Dame has. I saw Tony uh, Mitchell. He's okay. he's good. He's, he's a okay, bottom yeah. of the top hundred kind of guy for me. Good sure. player, uh, yeah. but Notre Dame can compete with him. The quarterback one is one I'll disagree with you a little bit on William. I'm with you on Eli Holstein. I actually like Dylan Lonergan. I, I do. I think he's very talented. He's got a big arm, big live arm. He's an athletic kid. I actually like him. The problem is he's, from everything I've heard and, and been told, he's probably not going to play college football. Mm. He's probably going to be in a high NFL draft pick. So if you're left with Eli Holstein as your quarterback, I used to like Eli a lot. He has gone way down in my evaluation. He is he's not evolved. Physical tools. Physical yeah, he's got a tools, big yeah. arm, but he's yes. he tests athletically well. He doesn't play like a good athlete. Yeah. He plays like a stiff who, mm-hmm. and his mechanics are bad. His feel for the game is not good. He's got a bazooka, though. And, and but his, he's just, there's a lot of red flags about Eli Holstein, which is why he's not in my top 100. But I, I, I had Dylan Lonergan, I think, in my top 50. I actually think he's really talented. Really, he talented. reminds, uh, that, that reminds me a little bit. You know what name I came across the other day that was in a similar thing? Really talented quarterback recruit that didn't never played because of baseball. You remember Bubba Starling? Oh, yeah. Notre Dame Nebraska? recruited him. Yeah. Yeah. Notre Dame thought Nebraska. they had a shot to get him for a while. Yeah, so he was talented, um, man. It, baseball career did not turn out for him either, but yeah. Yeah. Yep, there's no doubt. There's no doubt. So we will see. Uh, we will see kind of how that pans out. But but look, but the other thing too is like I said all I said, there's still guys are going to get. If they get Keon Keeley, then they just got the best part of the country. You know, but that's what Bama does. Now it's about Notre Dame up in their game, and that's mm-hmm. what they're going to need to do, in my opinion. Got another super chat down here from Sean S. Sean with super chat. Thank you, Sean. When will the IB staff be comfortable predicting the Ohio State score? Curious to hear your thoughts. Uh, no, we're still a ways out. Thanks again for all you guys do. So we're still in the process of kind of changing up or at least rethinking our format for our in-season shows. And I would love to hear feedback on if you want to hit me up on DM on Twitter or on the message board. But we're thinking about mixing things up a little bit and maybe making the mailbag be Thursday night. Since Vince loves mailbags so much, have him and Sean Steyer do the Friday night, Thursday night mailbag. Since we're going to do mailbags after every show this year, which we didn't do last year, then the main mailbag might be Thursday night with Vince and Sean and then making Friday a prediction show. You know, because we were doing it on Thursday before. But. Where the, at the very latest, we'll do it the Thursday or Friday before the Ohio State game. We may do something sort of the week before, and then we can just stick to the analysis the rest of the week. So 
Uh, but I would imagine, Sean, that I'm going to want to wait until we get to game week before I'm going to want to give you a score. So there's still a lot of film I want to watch and news that has to happen. Who's going to win this job at Ohio State? Where the injury is going to be like? Those type of things. So um, still, still a little bit of a ways away from that. Patrick Tolan says, I can't believe we have to say this. Thank you for your super chat, Patrick. Uh, but if you're tweeting or making negative comments to, to these teenagers on social media, you're the problem. Yes. Uh, I agree. I want, I want to make a st- statement about this. Uh, if you want to come to the message board and vent your frustrations about a recruit, I'm totally good with that. That's partly why we have a message board and why it's premium. We want you to have some level of, okay, I have a shield around me. I can kind of say what I want to say within reason of what we do. What I have an issue with is people tweeting at them or responding at them and those kind of things, trying to slide into their DMs. Now, I've tried to tell kids, put your twi- put your your lock your Twitter account. So only the people that you want to see it and the only people that you, that, that can reach you and the people, you know, and then just don't look at your notifications, close your, close your inbox, only let people that you follow, you know, do that. I mean, there's ways you can avoid that stuff, but mm-hmm. to a teenager, this is what they know. For me, it's easy. Cause I, I, I wouldn't have Twitter if it wasn't my job. Right. And you and I've talked about, it. I hate Twitter. Uh, and I don't, I'm only on there because of, because it, it helps the business to a degree, sure. but I, I hate Twitter. If I, if, you know, I, I just, I despise it in so many different ways, but yes, it's not, it's not appropriate. People say, well, these kids are making six figures. I I don't care. Like that someone making money doesn't mean that they're open to you saying ignorant things. Now, you know, there's, there's a level of criticism that these young people need to be willing to accept, you know, like you can't want to be in the spotlight that then get you NIL money, but then say, but you can't say, you can't disagree with my decision. I'm okay with people disagreeing with this decision. I'm okay with people disagree with the way he went about making his decision, but there's legitimate criticism. And then there's being an ignorant person, personal attacks. Yes. And that's, that's the issue. And, and it's just never smart to tweet at recruits. It's like, why, why are grown, you know what I mean? Like it's just, it's just, it's just not appropriate, but there's a, there's a place and a time where it's okay to say, Hey, this is a bad move. I think by Keon. And, and I think so. I, I love Keon. I think he's such a great kid. I think he's a great player. I think he made the wrong decision because I think he made the wrong decision because I don't think this is ultimately what he wants. I believe that to my core. I think that this is something that he's doing for others. That's my opinion. I'm not telling you what he's told me. This is my opinion of reading all the stuff that I know, like reading, you know, reading between the lines and and taking things that I've been told and, and he said and saying, I don't think this is what he wants to do. At the end of the day, he's still responsible for his decision. Same with Dante Moore. Dante Moore picking Oregon was about his appeasing those around him, not doing what I think he wanted to do. At the end of the day, that's on you. You know, it's your life. You've got to either, you know, CJ Carr, his dad didn't want him to commit either for different reasons. But CJ said, no, this is what I want to do. And his dad supported it, right? I mean, now, if CJ would have just followed along to what his dad wanted, he'd probably still be uncommitted. And I want to be clear on that. It's not that his dad had any issue with Notre Dame. His dad just wanted to make sure that he went through the process and made a, the, the right decision. And, and which is which is that's good parenting. Exactly. Is good exactly. Parenting. He's not looking for a handout. He's not looking right. for his own personal right. You know, payoff or right? school like he wants him to go to. Right. Yeah. He's trying right. to make a good personal decision for him. And Patrick, I love that you had to say. I, I hate that you have to say it, but I love that you did Appreciate say it, it because I think the one thing, the one word that I always come back to is empathy. 
right? Right. And there's a difference between disagreements and a personal attack to Brian's opinion, uh, to right. Brian's point, excuse right. me. And I would say this is just kind of put yourselves in their shoes for a second, right? Keon just made a tough decision. Now you have people that are cursing at you, calling you a, a, a scum, calling you, you know, all, this name, that name. And just imagine yourself in that shoe. Would you would you appreciate right. that? I personally wouldn't. I, right. I think that that's way across the line. The thing that sucks too, however, is there are fans of Alabama that have got that have created new Twitter profiles and say things ignorantly to him and pretend to be sure. Notre Dame fans. That's also a fact. And I would I yeah. try to and I I tweeted about that a few days ago too. If you're a recruit and you see something, look at the Twitter profile. If there's no like photo or you see the person created their account in in August of 2022. Hey, guess what, bro? That's not some Notre Dame fan who has had it enough and he just created an account yesterday so he can come on Twitter and bash you. That's some Alabama fan trying to make Notre Dame fans look bad. It's both. And and that's the thing is it just sucks that we have to have this conversation because adults should not act like that. But this is also the real world and people act certain ways. Most, yep. But it, what I try to tell a couple of recruits is the problem that I have on the recruits is don't start thinking like young people I have found think Twitter is the real world. And I can say it's not like the vast majority of Notre Dame fans I know aren't on Twitter or if they are, they just read, they don't post. We have thousands of members on our message board. We probably have consistently maybe what Ryan a hundred to 200 people that regularly post mm -hmm. maybe. Yeah. Right. Um, and, and so like most people are just, they're observers. Twitter's the same way. And then you consider how few people are actually on Twitter. And it's a, it's a, it, it, most fans aren't that way. Most fans are not going to say this to you. So don't assume that because these small number of idiots, that that's how most fans are. Cause most Notre Dame fans have a, are, are exactly where we are. I'm pissed. I'm disappointed. I'm bummed, whatever, but I'm not going to go bash the kid. Cause he's still a kid. Yeah. It's just, you know, so so don't sit there like Notre Dame fans are this. No, most Notre Dame fans are awesome. Yes. It's just there's the small vocal minority morons who make everybody else look bad. And that's the problem. And that's mm -hmm. what I've tried to express to a couple kids. Like, look, don't 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 come at me with like Notre Dame fans are this because they're not. I know Notre Dame fans. I know them. I know. And most of them are not that way. It's Twitter is not real life. I, I'm going to keep saying this. Twitter's not real life. It's just not. So next question we have here from uh, – we have a super chat from uh, Brandon here, another super chat. Besides Aiden Gobira and Josh Burnham, who on the roster are the Vipers for next season that can make an impact? Is there anyone uh, – Keon and Pemba, another talented target, uh, seem to have a good chance for year one playing time? Well, I think in Pemba could, and the one thing we haven't talked a lot about, Ryan, is I don't think Notre Dame's getting Samuel and Pemba because I mm -hmm. do think Samuel and Pemba is one of those players who is – who he is kind of looking for to take advantage of NIL. Yeah. And, and, and again, I don't have a problem with that. Like if that's your priority, that's your priority. He's been honest about it and it's not a negative thing. NIL deals are out there to be had. Some kids it's, care about that. Some don't, and you it's know, it's only going to get worse, sir. Right. If you, if you didn't see the whole news with Malcolm yeah. Nelson today, yeah. it's, it's going to get, it's going to get worse before it gets better. Yeah. Uh, but so I, 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 right now I don't see that one. I think Notre Dame is in it. I think Samuel is still listening to Notre Dame. Notre Dame has an NIL pitch to him. But I do think Keon not being in the class does move the needle a little bit for you with Samuel Pemba because now you can recruit him to play Viper. 
Yeah. Which you know? which he prefers. And yes. Every time that he talks, yeah. they ask him, what do you see yourself as an edge? I'd like to rush the quarterback. Like, okay. Yeah. yeah. Sure. Sure. Yeah. And that's now you can sell that and you're not having to compete with Keon for playing time. Right. So uh, that's just kind of, that's kind of the reality of that. So, all right. So we got uh, some Vipers. So, I mean, I think Burnham and, and Gobira, look, you could, if if the numbers are right, you could maybe bring back Osita Guanu next year as, as, a, as a guy that could provide some depth. And I think there's some other linebackers that could maybe emerge. Like, let's just say, hypothetically, you feel you need another guy. Jordan Patelho is one, mm-hmm. especially if Jalen Sneed steps up. We got a question about Jalen Sneed here in a little bit that we'll get to uh, from John A1. I think if Jalen Sneed steps up, that's more and more opportunity for you to to play Jordan Matejo coming off the edge, where I yeah. think he's really dangerous. Uh, Junior Two Alamaka can do some things. I think we talked. I talked about this when he signed. He's a guy that you know if he outgrows Mike Linebacker or if somebody else beats him out at Mike Linebacker, he's a guy that could maybe help you a little bit at Viper. And and so there's options there, Brandon. There's definitely options there. But I, I really think that this year is going to be big for Jaden, J- uh, Josh Burnham, and Aiden Gobira. Not so much that they have to play this year because, you know, other things, but really they got to develop to put themselves in that position. The other thing I would do if I'm Notre Dame, I'm already going to start talking to Justin Adamiola about coming back for a sixth year. I don't know if he's going to want to do that. Mm-hmm. Well, like, look, man, Isaiah's gone, right? Like, dude, <laughs> you could be that dude. Yeah. I don't know how much coming back for a sixth year boosts his draft stock. That's the only problem. Especially if he has a good year this year, but you know, you know, you never know. It, it may, I don't may think, not. Hurt. You know. I mean, he doesn't have tremendous like traits, so it may mm-hmm. not hurt him either to go back for another right. year. Or so it, may, it might be one of those things where it's just yeah. like it's whatever you want to do. It's like a personal can, choice. And can point. the production help overcome maybe the lack of some of the traits right. that people look for? Yeah, he may not be right. this, this, and this, but you know, I'm taking him in round four because here's what I know about the dude: he sure. gets to the flipping quarterback. Because yep. is is that not like the 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 biggest? If you're talking about a defensive recruit, a defensive player, like what's the one thing that NFL teams look for? Can you get to the quarterback? I'll overlook. Can you affect the quarterback? I'll overlook a lot of other stuff if you can get to the quarterback. Yep. You know, Um, so I think that's something that I would do too. They'll have options. They'll have players. But if you've got a a trio of edge rushers, a Viper next year, named Josh Burnham, Jordan Patelho, and Aiden Gobira, I'm I'm not super worried about Notre Dame being able to find production. So good position. athletes. So good athletes. Yeah. It was very in long, very, very long. All right. So Ryan, let's get to this question here from David Carpenter. He has a two-part question. He goes, if I was where Ryan was last night, but now that's over, ready for the season start. Keon Keeley was projected as a Viper, right? If so, do you think we look for an exact replacement or go for the best player and slot another player into that position it's a really good question david um my understanding is maybe both ryan i think what what i think notre dame was perfectly fine bringing in four defensive linemen when they offered blake purchase and caleb herring that was legitimately a potential fifth defensive lineman but at the time they were not leaning to a fifth defensive lineman i think now they are because you're kind of hoping that you can get two kids that have some high ceilings and then one of them pans out. Like we've seen from Notre Dame, Isaiah and Isaiah. Reminder to people, Isaiah Foskey was ranked as a top 200 recruit by no one. Well, none of the major recruiting services. Adi Takumba Ogundizi was ranked as a three-star recruit. Rightfully so. He was a raw player coming out of high school. But the talent was there. 
the, the mm-hmm. and then he developed into a fifth round NFL draft pick. It's a big end. So I think if I'm Notre Dame, from some of the things I've gathered, I think that five might be the new goal now because you kind of like you're not just going to get one guy to replace Keon. If you can get a couple guys, then all of a sudden you, you've now got you've now helped your depth a little bit. I do think they would like to find someone who can play Viper, uh, but I think there's some other options they could have at that position as well. I've heard yeah. people talk about how they like Preston Zinter as a potential Viper. I don't see that just yet. I mean, I, I'd want to see him play linebacker. I don't know if I love the length that much, but I do know some people um, that evaluate to say, I, I could see that kid being a Viper. I just, I don't see that, yeah. but there are some that see that. So uh, I, I think right now, David, I, I'd say they probably do a little bit of both. Just get yeah. one kid who the best. The, I think just get the two best kids you can get and then figure it, figure that part out later. You know, well, I, I would say, I mean, to, to that point, and it's a great question, David, and I'm not quite sure you were where I was last last night. I was in a little d- bit of a dark place. But that's another conversation for another <laughs> I had to day. Definitely, I had to talk Ryan off the ledge a little bit last <laughs> night. There's no uh, doubt. But I'll say this, Brian. We were talking about this a little bit actually before the show. It's like if you get a really good other defensive end in the, in the 2023 class and maybe they are more projectable to a big end, do you toy with like a Bubakar Traore as your Viper, right. who's a different style? He's not right. like the flexible dude, right. but he's could be a power guy, kind of like how yeah. Isaiah Foskey is, right? Like I, that's the thing about Isaiah Foskey. Isaiah Foskey is a very explosive athlete, literally, but he's not like the loosest edge guy of all time. Like he's a power converter with incredible length. So mm-hmm. I wouldn't discount that maybe they just go for a different type at Viper right. comparative to what maybe they were going to go at. Right. You know, maybe you go away from the guy that drops. You know, and maybe you have a, a, you know, and this is where I would be very curious to see Al Golden's influence. Do you try to focus more on being a situational defense? Mm-hmm. You know, we're going to go get a Blake purchase hypothetically, not to be a full four down, you know, or three down defensive player, meaning first, second, and third down, not to be a base defensive player, but we're like this kid because he can bring, he's a really good nickel package or when we're playing an air raid team that throws the ball all the time. You know, like this is a kid that we can we really like because he can rush the quarterback, he can drop into coverage, he gives us some flexibility, but he's not a guy that we're necessarily going to be the viper in every game. You know, and maybe there's another guy that just hey, look, we like this guy because against Stanford and some other teams, this kid's a big physical kid that can shut down the run from the viper and can rush the quarterback. He just can't drop into coverage a lick. So, you know, there's other games where that guy may be fine. I'm curious to see if we see that because that's what the NFL is now, Ryan. I mean, yes, the NFL is a sub package league on defense. Now you want guys can play every down, but there's value to those other type of guys. And, and I think that's kind of where I think you're going to see them also look is, is mm-hmm. to Ryan's point is maybe a guy doesn't have to be able to do everything now, you know, and say, if you have Bubakar playing Viper, guess what you're doing? You're not dropping them into coverage. You're right. bringing them off the edge. And so then maybe your message to Matt Bayless for him is like, look, we think this kid has a huge frame but let's focus on keeping him a little thinner. You know, let's not let him get past 270, 265, 270, and make sure we're working on his explosiveness and his bend and his twitch and his, his change of direction as opposed to really balking him up to be a 290-pound big end or three technique. Yeah. You know, we're just throwing this out there as, a you know, just things to think about. So there are some options, David, uh, but I do think one thing we can believe in is I do think there's a much better chance of going out to uh, – to five than they would have done before at this and, point in time. And I would also like to add to the, to your point, Brian, of like, if a Bubakar is more of a Viper or whatever, 
it, yeah, you're not going to ask them to drop as much, but there are also things that those styles do give to you, though, right? Like, you can be a little more creative in the run game. Maybe you play a six where you're head up on tight ends a little more. Maybe you play a seven. Maybe your defensive ends at that point become a little bit more interchangeable, where, like, you don't have to flip sides because they're kind of more similar type football players. So there, there is a lot of options to Brian's right. point. Like, I don't think this is a one answer is the only answer. Like, there's a couple ways that Notre Dame can kind of tackle right. this, and I think it'll be okay in a couple different ways. Right. Some really, really good question. Here's some, we've got some more here. Uh, Matt, 211 uh, GT, uh, thank you for the super chat, Matt. Any recent communication with Bowen? Oh, wait, never mind. Just read your post on the board. Sign up, folks. I appreciate that plug, Matt. Thank you very, very much. But we do have some intel on the board. It's nothing like earth shattering, just kind of here's the latest on Jeremiah Love and Peyton Boeing and, and the quarterback recruiting. So uh, it's it's not like, oh, my God, everybody get off the show right now and run over to the message board. But it is, it's good intel, and it gives you the latest of where things are going, including you know where the communication is between Peyton Bowen and the rest of the commits and the staff, which was a sign in the last week that that's where things are going with Keon Keeley was that communication was not there. So we have an update on that as well. So uh, thank you very much for that super chat. Matt, we've got some more questions up here. David Fryman says, how is D- Jaden Thomas coming along? I was excited to see him get uh, get a go this season. When he's on the field, David, he's been really good from what we've seen. What we've seen and then what we've heard. It's been really good to the point where if he can stay healthy, I'd be shocked if he's not getting snar- starter snaps this season by the end of the season. Right, if not earlier, my, by the end means so. Just so you know what I mean when I say end of the season. It doesn't mean by the twelfth game. It just means at some point in time before the season ends, I could see him doing that. But he's got to stay on the field. That was an issue for him in high school. It's been an issue for him since he's got to Notre Dame. He's got to be able to stay on the field. And and again, it's not like he's punking out. He, he's just he's got to be he's got to stay healthy. It's just yeah. whether it's got to stretch better. Well, I don't know what it is, but they got to figure something out because they need that kid to stay healthy. Ryan, they need him 100%, to stay healthy. Hundred percent, especially now. I mean, we talked yeah. about the numbers, right? Like they need Jaden Thomas. It went from I th- I think it went more from Jaden Thomas is a little bit of an enigma to me, and it's like oh man, if he breaks out, that's really nice to now kind of be mm. in a necessity, right? right. Like you you kind of you really do need him in my opinion, and. He's a versatile player, so I really do help. I hope that he's able to find – I mean, because some guys do get over that stuff, right? Like, I mean, whether mm-hmm. it is a ritual thing of, of stretching more or a different variation of stretching, it, it can get better. So right. I'm hoping, man, because they're going to need right. it. They certainly are. Right. Uh, Savage Science Fitness with another receiver question. I thought I heard that Joe Wilkins will be back as well for our whiteouts week one. That is what they're hoping for, but based on the video I saw from practice yesterday, he is not there yet. I mean, he's not there yet. He doesn't have that burst off his foot right now, and Joe Wilkins cannot afford to play if he doesn't. If he's not 100. I mean, he just he's not athletic enough without that. But there's still over two weeks left, so yep. we shall see. There's but um, it, you know, it'd be nice if he could come back. But I don't. I don't think Joe in week one is going to be the difference between beating and or losing Ohio State just because of where I think he probably is right now is development. Maybe down the road it's more, but I just – I don't know if it will be there in week one, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ryan Thidoff says, Ryan and Ryan, the new Big Ten TV deal has their games at noon on Fox, 3.30 on CBS, and primetime for NBC. Does this guarantee zero Notre Dame home night games, even if Notre Dame uh, renews with NBC? I would imagine that there will be some language built into the Notre Dame contract to allow them to have night games. Uh, mm-hmm. Also uh, – you kind of look at the schedule and there's 
going to be games against Big Ten teams moving forward, sure. uh, which I would imagine that they're going to turn into – would want to turn into night games when um, – either way, whether Notre Dame's home or away, but especially when they're home since that's kind of what we're referring to. So I, I don't know. I, I don't think it's a guarantee that Notre Dame's going to renew with NBC. I don't think it's a guarantee that uh, they'll have night games. I, I don't know. I really don't know how that's going to be. But I would imagine Notre Dame will, will have that – want to have that in their yeah. in their contract if Notre Dame is playing a big 10 team and they don't make that a night game that's pretty misguided on the big 10's right point of view correct the, the network's point of view I should right. say very misguided right yep so we'll see how we'll see how it goes but I don't know the I don't know the specific lane language of the contract with NBC to know what the options are from the big 10 standpoint or Notre Dame's so that'll have to be a detail that'll be worked out at this point in time So from John A1, uh, if Jalen Sneed steps up enough to earn a role at Viper with Kaiser, does Battelle get back in at Viper? Would Adamiola move between Viper and Big N? How important is it for Battelle to establish before 2023? Yes to all of that. <laughs> uh, so I Battelle has been getting work with the Vipers uh, as well mm-hmm. as Rover, just like Josh Burnham is still getting some work at, uh, I believe, Will. I think Will is where I heard he's getting some work as well as Viper just to find a way to, you know, look, we got to get this kid on the field some way, somehow. So he's getting cross-trained work. I, Jason, Justin Adamiel has always been a guy that's going to play both sides at the end. We've t- he's done that in the mm-hmm. past. We've talked about that. He's definitely a guy that will do both. And it is incredibly important for Jordan Patel to be able to sta- somewhat establish before next year because it may be a situation where you like Josh Burnham and, and Aiden Gobira going into next year, but are you ready for them to become the starters? Maybe not. Jack Kaiser's got another year left after this. If Jalen Sneed steps up and you, you feel really good about that one, two punch of Rover, Hey, Jordan, you know, he's already over two fifty, yeah. So, it, you know, put him at Viper and now you've got him, Batelho and Gobira at Viper. Uh, okay. Would I want Keon Keel on my roster? Heck to the Yes. <laughs> right. But am I thinking, oh, gee, Notre Dame can't compete for a title in 23 because of their Vipers in that situation? Heck to the no. You know <laughs> what I mean? Like they still can. Yeah. And because at the end of the day, like D line has not been the thing holding Notre Dame back. It hasn't. Their last two starting Vipers got drafted third and fifth round. Their next, their current Viper is going to be a first round pick, most likely. Right. Like Viper, again, there's the Keon conversation and then there's, evaluating Notre Dame Viper independent of whatever happened with Keon. And that's not the issue. Yeah. Keon changes things dramatically, but it's not like you're OG. We don't know if we can beat teams with what we have now. It's not that right. either. It's not Ke- that either. Keon Keeley was going to make a strength, a bigger strength. Like that's, yes. that's the point. Much better it. strength. Yes. yes. Agree. Agree. And I, I would say this too, John, if, if Patello can, if, so if he finds a home at Viper long-term and he's able to really scratch the surface of how good he can be, then it's not as big a drop-off as you might think of going from an Isaiah Foskey to a Jordan Mattello, in my opinion, just from a pure athleticism perspective. It's going to look different, but I think Mattello's got big-time upside. Yeah. I really do. If, he, if it hits, it has to hit, but right, that's the unknown, but he's very talented. Well, if he makes that move, he'd have 23 and potentially 24. Yeah. But whether he's a starter or not, you've got yeah. what he's in the 2020 class. Mm-hmm. So his freshman year doesn't count. So he could mm-hmm. have 24. I don't know if he'll be in position to be brought back for a fifth year. I have no clue. Mm-hmm. But let's just say just for next year, between him, Josh Burnham, and Aiden Gobira, you have a very 
twitchy, long, athletic group of guys. Are any of them ready to be a 60-snap-a-game guy? Don't know. Does it matter? No. I mean, that's the thing is you're just throwing waves of long athletes at those guys. You know, what's Aiden? Because by the time we get to next fall, Aiden Gobiro will be going into his fourth semester at Notre Dame. Think about that. That's crazy. You know, Josh Burnham will be going into his fourth semester at Notre Dame because they were both early enrollees. So, again, I, I would love Keon to be in this class. This isn't one of those deals where, ah, screw it, they're fine. No, no, I, I wouldn't at all. I mean, this is like like last year. Like, oh, they're fine because, at you know, in the secondary because, you know, without Devin Moore because they got Benjamin Morrison and Jade Mickey. Yeah, okay, I get that. Those guys are both dudes. But wouldn't you rather have both of those dudes and Devin Moore? Yes. You know, like <laughs> that's always got to be the answer. Is Notre Dame going to be okay at Viper? Heck yes. Would they be even better if they had Keon? Heck yes. And that's what I talk about, Ryan, is being able to walk and chew gum at the same time. Yeah. Is that right there? Uh, that, that you know, that's kind of that's kind of where I'm at. I, I'm interested to see in Burnham and uh, Gobira's weight gain from year yeah. one to year two, too. Oh, yeah. They're both like 230-something, right? But they're both yeah. super long. Like, I, I mean, yeah. at least one of them is going to be like 250 by next year, I would say. I think they both will be. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think Burnham probably maxes out around 250-ish. Yeah, I think Obira could be 260 when it's all said and done. I really, I he, and he's so long because if he's 230 right now, if you've seen you've seen videos of yes. him, Ryan, we've seen some pictures <laughs> yep. of him. If he's 230 right now, he's going to be huge because he is skinny. So if he's already carrying 230 pounds, boy, I you know he's got a lot of room to add mass to that body. Mm-hmm. And so I, I kind of look at it and I'm thinking, okay, if he's 230 now, this is gonna this is gonna be fun watching him develop whereas i think josh has a lot of room to grow but there's a there's a, a cap of 250 255 that i don't necessarily want to go past with josh burnham i i also don't want to sacrifice his athleticism exactly him, and that's him exactly why a, yeah him as that viper type like he's more like the big sam that like yeah, yeah he's going to rush the passer but also we can drop him into space it's you can do exactly he is the perfect guy for what they tried to do with the viper last year you know, we're like one snap, he's coming off the edge. The next snap, he's lining up right over the center as a Mike linebacker. I mean, they were doing yeah. that with Keon or with Isaiah Foskey last year. Like, that's not Isaiah's game. You know who would be great at that? Josh Burnham and Jordan Patello. I was I was looking on uh, PFF the other day just for, like, the snap count stuff. I know. Uh-huh. Just for the snap count stuff. You know, they had Isaiah Foskey is as a – so they had him as a stacked backer 79 times last year i was really surprised that number was that high. Yeah. <laughs> was a surprised. lot of those were on third down yeah. um you know yeah. and 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 he rushed from those at times you know they'd move him around and rush him from times sure. but yeah it was uh yeah yeah they were doing like that three three stacked look and yeah you know, didn't love that yeah. didn't love yeah. that if i'm gonna be completely honest with you didn't love that uh, we got some more we got a couple here on uh on uh peyton bowen so we'll, we'll bring those up as well actually we have mm-hmm. I think two, yeah, two on him. We didn't start another one. What is the status of Peyton Bowen? Uh, 24-7 composite bumped him up to a five-star. Also, I've heard with Bowen's uh, – w- I've heard both Bowen's were inter- instrumental in recruiting Christian Gray. Uh, and then Mr. Two, uh, 2.0 says, am I naive to be feeling good about keeping Peyton Bowen? I'm getting vibes from the family that they're pro Notre Dame, and I'm wondering if the visits – are more for Eli. So we have definitely talked about this before. Yes. And yep. and I can assure you that that the the theories that we have placed about some of these visits being more about Eli than Peyton uh, have been confirmed by multiple people that are not at Notre Dame. And I'll just mm-hmm. leave it at that. Okay. Yeah. Now 
that's one way to look at it. The other way to look at it, Ryan, is but he still keeps going on visits and posting tweets sure. from this and this whole stuff about you know him maybe flipping to Oklahoma or Texas and that's coming from somewhere. Sure. So I understand why there's a lot of hesitation here. I do not think the cir- circumstances are the same with Keon and Peyton. Mm-hmm. And the reason I say that is, is because with Keon, he was very upfront with Notre Dame about looking around. Peyton has been very upfront with Notre Dame about this isn't me. This is me supporting Eli. I'm yeah. not interested in Oklahoma. I'm not interested in him. Now, that is countered by words he has given to other reporters about that. So yeah. it's been one of the weirdest like circumstances because like what we hear behind the scenes and then what he says oftentimes are two different things. Now, I've been told some things about why he says those things that it's like, okay, well, I'll believe it when I see it type of scenario. But from everything we have been told, that is Peyton Bowen has has never wavered to Notre Dame commits or to Notre Dame coaches about where he's going. I think, mm-hmm. and, and I've said this before, if if that's accurate, I'm going to have a lot of very interesting things to say about on three and two four seven when this whole thing is done, yeah. and and about the role that they played with Keon, that the role they've tried to play with Jeremiah Love, the role they've tried to play with Peyton Bowen to where we're moving away from people reporting the news and into a really dangerous world of some people trying to make news or manipulate things in a direction that would then be good for them. And I'm going to leave it at that for now because I want to see what happens with Peyton and some of these other people, right? But from what I've been told, Ryan, you've heard the same thing when you talk to commits – he still plays video games with him. He's in the group chat with him. Keon started to slowly kind of pull back a little bit. Yeah. Peyton has never done that. Never. Even when he was doing all those visits, he's never done that. And you are correct. He was very instrumental in recruiting Christian Gray. Very. He was mm-hmm. instrumental in – I've had some people tell me he even played a role in Dylan Edwards, although I'm not I'm not sure about that one as strongly. Uh, but uh, he has definitely been involved with commits – you can talk to Jaden Osbury. He'll talk about Peyton Bowen. Yep. So, you know, but again, there are things that that make me say, okay, that sounds great. But then he'll make, he'll give an interview where it's like, I've got a decision to make. And you're like, what decision do you have to make? Like, you know, right. it's a strange thing. But the difference between Peyton and Keon, okay, so, so Keon doesn't talk to the media. Mm-hmm. So there's no way to misconstrue what Keon says because he doesn't really talk to the media, not in a way that he wants it to get it out there. And so a lot of the stuff about Keon was just from behind the scenes. Well, there's a lot of that with Peyton and, and, you know, what coaches are telling people, there was a lot of that with Peyton, but then Peyton's got some public comments that are like, okay, that doesn't track with what you're saying, you know, here or whatever. Uh, and I don't know why he's doing that. I don't want to presume to know why he's doing that, but I think that's what makes it different. The, the but, but the, the other difference Ryan is, is that in Keon's sphere, he has a head coach uh, who doesn't really care about recruiting other than he's like, he's more of a, you know, if you need my help, I'll give it, I'll give you my advice, but he's not like, you're not using coach child child to convince a kid to go somewhere. Good luck with that. You know what I mean? That's not going to end well for you. You know? Um, and, 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 and I like, I have a great deal of respect for him. He's like, my job is t- Tampa Berkeley prep high school coach. 
help my yeah. kids the best they can. But he, there's no agenda there, in my opinion, with him. Mm-hmm. But there are some other people around Keon that are not pro Notre Dame. And it used to be that everybody around him was pro Notre Dame, but the pro Notre Dame voices have either been silenced or they have changed. And that's what's hurting him. If you look at if you look at Peyton, as of today, every influential person in his life that we that we are aware of is still very pro Notre Dame. Agree. And and so there's just different circumstances. That's what makes him different from Dante. So we can't throw all these kids in the same category. And having said that. I would advise you not to go attacking people that are saying that they're that that he's going to go somewhere else or they're worried about somewhere else as far as Notre Dame fans, because they said the same thing about you know Keon, you know, a couple weeks ago or a month ago. So, but I, I understand why some people are nervous about Peyton, but I also understand why people think he's going to end up at Notre Dame because that's literally every bit of intel. Like Ryan and I'll talk. And, and we'll hear some report. So, like, we get sent the same stuff. We have people in our lives that, like, no matter what's reported, they send a screenshot. Oh, this was per- – and I, we got to respond to it all, right? And appreciate it, you know, so we know what's out there. But it's kind of like some of the stuff we'll read, and I'm like, yeah, that's not coming from anyone that's associated with the Bowen family. <laughs> or it's just a flat-out lie, you know? And, you know, like, oh, he's going he's gonna to flip to this, that, and the other. It's like that's not even in the conversation. So I don't – you know, I think there's some coaches out there trying to sort of create – some problems and and get Notre Dame to overreact and say something to Peyton that's going to screw them over and then, you know, run back. But Notre Dame hasn't taken the bait on that. Uh, So Notre Dame has taken Peyton and his family at their word. They should until they have reason not to. Sure. And so, uh, you know, to me, it's just a different scenario. And, and whether it's coaches down there at Geyer, whether it's family, whether it's Peyton himself, whether it's other commits, the the theme has been the same all along and it hasn't changed if it starts to change we'll let you know and we'll get worried and it started to change with keon which is why our intel over last week with keon has has changed but uh, i just i I mean a month ago i said i'm more worried about peyton than i am keon flat out over the last week and a half that's changed uh, brian let's be a little transparent about one part of this to your point we talked on the phone like a week ago and I was like, wow, is it, it like, I feel a lot better about Peyton Moen now than I do about right. Keon Keely. Like right. it, it flipped, it went complete 180 right. on us in a right. very short amount of time. So right. to your point, and I will also have a lot to say about some folks around the country. If Jeremiah Love does end up at Notre Dame, by the way, oh yes, yeah, that, is, that is another player where I know for a fact, there's been some things that have been out there that just are, are not at all true. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. And like I said, we have a we have more of an intel uh, up on where it latest with love and and Bowen on the the message board. But I did want to kind of get some of that stuff out there because it's uh it's been interesting. It's been very interesting to see the direction that things have gone, especially since a uh, one of those new recruiting outlets has kind of come along. So yeah, we'll we'll see how all this goes. But I'm gonna I'm gonna sit back and kind of relax and let things play out, and then uh, I'll probably just come out one of these days just just throwing just bombs. So. I don't know when that day is going to come, but it's going to come. There's no doubt. It's going to come either way, but when it comes is going to be determined by how events transpire. Yes, There's no doubt. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. 
For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Brent Smith says, I'm really concerned about Patterson, about the Patterson injury. The trio interior of Lug, Correll, and Kristovic makes me a little uncomfortable. I think that's fair. That's fair. Yeah. I think it's fair. I mean, look, I think there's potential there. But there's a lot to prove there. Look, guys, this is where we're at now, right? It's August 18th. I mean, this is where I was as a as a coach every time in the middle of August. Hey, I feel good about it, but I, they got they got to show it to me. I don't really know until we get to you know. And it, it, the Division three and the one double A level is a little different because we would have scrimmages. We could scrimmage people, so you kind of get a little bit of a taste against somebody else. But even then, it's like okay, we don't really know. They got to show it, right? You know, what version of Josh Lugger are we going to get? You know, what version of Zeke Crow? Are we going to get the guy from two years ago? Maybe a, a more experienced version of that. If so, I'm more. I'm, I'm good about center. I feel. I feel good. You know, are, are we going to get the same version of Andrew Kostopf from last year? Is it going to be a little worse, a little better? I don't know. So, Brent, I think that's fair. I mean, look, with Jared Patterson, you know the floor, right? I think the thing with him is he's been really up and down, but he's never been bad. He's always been at least solid, and then sometimes he's really good. You know, that's not true of the other guys. They are. They have some moments where they're like, that guy's not good you know, in this game. Yep. Yep. And, and so, yeah, it's a legitimate concern. I, 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 I'm, 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 here's why I'm more optimistic, Ryan. Mm-hmm. It's because they're all older now. They're seniors or six year seniors. And the other one is Harry, he's standing Chris Watt. I mean, I, I know that may seem like a cop out, but I mean, track records are what they are. And mm-hmm. there have been interiors that don't have the three man talent of this, that Harry, he has turned into pretty decent offensive lines. If we're being honest. You know? I mean, I I said I would give Harry Heaston the benefit of the doubt because of the track record he has. There's right. no doubt. But I was Brent again. Brian just said it, but I would just reiterate again. I you're completely fair and feeling the way that you do about this, right? Because mm-hmm. Josh Lug didn't play guard last year. He's changing positions again. Zeke Carell, last time we saw him was not very good. Right. And Andrew Kristofic was solid but unspectacular. Like that's that's what we're yeah. working with with that trio. But. Let's give them the benefit of the doubt with Coach stand effects on them because I yeah. think that there is a lot more talent than what has been fully on display in recent years with all three of those players. Yep. I got a question from Tyler Hanley. Uh, you have said Patelho has had problems not on the field or because of himself. Has he been able to figure that out, and has uh, he been constant in that regard? So I, I don't know the answer to that, Tyler. What I can say, however, it's been a long time since anyone has raised a red flag to me about his – conduct in any way and no news is good news in this instance a thousand percent correct (laughs) um a thousand percent correct i mean that's exactly like hey you want to hear nothing um you know that you want to hear nothing like hey what have you heard about jordan patel nothing all right that's good you know thank gosh because look there's never ever been a doubt about jordan patel's jordan patel's talent 
It's about, well, can you, can you count on him? Can you depend on him? And everything you're hearing, you're hearing them mention his name. Here's the other thing you notice. You're hearing the coaches mention his name more. And when the coaches mention a kid's name more, it's because there's an inherent trust being built there. And that's something Jordan has to earn. And if he is playing, it's because he earned it. And that's a positive. And that's a good thing. And it shows that he's grown up. Because look, if I could tell you all everything I did as an 18 to 19 year old, 20 year old, I would, I'd be pretty embarrassed to be honest with you be pretty embarrassed and uh fortunately it didn't you know get me in too much trouble but i'd be pretty embarrassed and so we all we all hopefully grow up i was perfect at those ages sure so sure i've talked to your dad totally totally know that's true yeah you forget i know your dad so i can find that out in a heartbeat yeah all right uh timeout tom so more of a comment than a question which i like he goes notre dame has to get a chip on their shoulder and become less of a nice guy tongue-in-cheek to change Notre Dame's, Notre Dame's image on September 3rd. Notre Dame should wear flat black uniforms, helmets, shoes, and socks. I mean, I get he said tongue-in-cheek. But but honestly, Ryan, Tom nailed it. Timeout Tom it's nailed an it. Yeah. And, and, like, you go back and watch the Notre Dame games. And I've, you, I've told you that I've been watching Notre Dame games from the 88 to 93 just to – I always kind of do just to remind myself of what Notre Dame should be. Sometimes I'll go back and watch games from 17 and, you know, during that stretch of really good football. And the reality is, Tom, is one of the things we've criticized Notre Dame for in recent years is they're not a real physical football team as a whole. Their offensive line was in 2020 to a degree, mm-hmm. but they just – like last year, they were not even – they were not a physical football team anywhere. They had really good players, but they weren't physical. Like Notre Dame, the way it used to be – like Sean Davis and I were talking about this the other day uh, in, a, in a conversation. Like you hated playing Notre Dame. Ryan, because, and I wish you could have lived during the 88 to 93 period, but, you know, go back and watch some YouTube games. You may beat Notre Dame, but, like, it was one of those ones where, like, you know, you get into a fight, you may win that fight, but you're walking away bloodied, bruised, and broken. You know, and that's how it was playing Notre Dame, is you were going to battle them, you were going to fight them, you were going to scrap and claw, and you were going to, you know, you, you might walk away with a victory, but I assure you, you're walking away with a limp you know, figuratively speaking kind of thing. And that's just, that's where Notre Dame has to get back to. I mean, if Notre Dame is going to be the team they're capable of being that good, look, 88 team had plenty of speed. I I wrote about this Has Notre Dame had a more dynamic trio of athletes on the same team than Tony Rice, Ricky Waters and Rocket Ismail like they had in 1989. I, I don't think so. They had speed and explosiveness. They were so loaded at running back in 88 that they, Ricky Waters started a wide receiver. You know what I mean? Like a guy that was a 10,000 yard rush in the National Football League couldn't become a running back in Notre Dame until his third year. You know, that's how loaded they were. But they, but what, what truly made those teams was they were going to fight you. And, and it wasn't just that they were physical, it was a mentality of, you know, like we, like we read, we played that video for you on Saturday with Lou Holtz. You know, let me see you disrespect me now. That you know, now that we're nose nose on nose, now that my face is to you, I was like, that's not how you want to be. You don't you don't want that. You don't want that smoke. You know, that's the new expression. You don't want that smoke. And that's that's how it was. Where you know, like I'm watching the BC game from '92, Ryan. Yep. And and it's just like you know, coming to that game, like I think BC. I'm actually gonna pull it up now. I think BC was like number two in the country, or number number seven in the country, number nine. They were number nine in the country coming into that game. You know, they had beaten Penn State that year. You know, they were a really good football team, and they had smoked a lot of teams, beat Michigan State by two touchdowns. 
you know, smoked smoked Northwestern who wasn't that good. I mean, that was a, a highly ranked BC team at that time that year, you know, number mm-hmm. number 19. And by the middle of the first quarter, BCU was basically a team full of Rasheem Greens. I mean, they just wanted no part of what Notre Dame was doing to them physically. Just wanted no part of it. And the thing is, they knew it coming into the game. So the first time they got punched, it was like, okay, I knew this was going to happen. And then, you know, now kudos to them for bouncing back that next year, not having that same fear. But like mm-hmm. that was the reputation Notre Dame had was, you know, and and that that made them say, you you know what's coming next year, right? Mm-hmm. So you better be ready for it. And and they were able to do that. But you know, like BC didn't play Notre Dame before that. You know, I mean, so like that 90, 1992 game. I mean, I'm, it had been a while since they had played. Actually, let me pull this up here. It had been a minute since they played. I'm trying to pull up this. Uh, this this. Have you ever gone to Winsipedia? It's a great yeah. resource. Yeah, so when they played from 92, they hadn't played since 1987. So that was like a five-year stretch. So 87 was right before Notre Dame became Notre Dame in the Lou Holtz era. I mean, they were good that year. They went 8-3. and three. I think they were 8-0 at one point in time, but they, were, they weren't quite that team. By 92, they were the biggest, baddest, like most physical team in college football. They weren't the best, but they were the biggest and baddest. And BC was not ready for that. And it, it helped them next year, but they weren't ready for that. And that's just kind of how it was with Notre Dame back then. And I want to get, I want them to get back to that. Now, speed has to be there, but I want to see them get back to that. There, there's yeah. no doubt. Let's see here, Ed says not, um, not even I mean, capping when I say this. I don't know what that means. What does that mean? <laughs> um, like messing around. Joking. Okay. Yeah. All right. Whatever that means. Uh, there could be a three-star floating around right now uh, who will turn out to be better than Keon Keeley. Just the truth. Uh, he's right. I mean, I don't know who that is, and I'm not betting on it, but that's a fact. Yeah. I mean, there, we see this all the time. Like, there was a comment made on our message board by someone who's one of our, our, our better posters. Love, love this guy as a poster, but he made a comment like, you know, kind of, kind of, kind of here's the issues with the class. And, and there are some, this class needs a quarterback, right? I mean, they do, they need, they need, there's other needs in this class. It's not a complete class yet. It's not full yet. And, mm-hmm. you know, and he said, they don't have uh, an edge rusher that, that is a, like Aiden Hutchison. So, okay. That's, that's fair. They don't have that guy, but you're only assuming that based on looking at the recruiting rankings, because I don't know who would have thought that about Aiden Hutchison when he was in high school. Who and who when he was coming out of high school thought he was going to become what he was last year? No, nobody did. I mean, his ranking at the, he was ranked 88th by uh 24-7 sports, 129th by rivals, and 193rd by ESPN. Looks a lot like the ranking for Brendan Vernon and Bubakar Traore. Sure does. You know, so so you're you're correct, Ed. I mean, we don't know. We don't know if Keon's gonna be as good as we think he will be. I'd be willing to bet on that one. I think Keon's gonna be an excellent player. Agree. I, I honestly, here's my concern for him. I don't know if he can be as good at Bama as he would have been in Notre Dame because I don't think he fits there. I don't. I don't think he you fits mean, at you Alabama. You mean scheme wise? No, as a person. Or, as a person, got it. Got it. I, I, as a person. And, and scheme wise, there's something to that. Are they going to yeah. make him, you know, Will Anderson or are they going to make him the other end? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, how are they going to build around him? I'm not a huge fan of, of to be honest with you, I'm not a huge fan of their defensive coaching staff. I've said this before. Alabama's coaching staff on defense underwhelms me and has since Pete Golden got there. Mm-hmm. It just has. I mean, they they get by on talent. They're not a well-coached football team on defense right now. They're, they're just not. I mean, I'm sorry. When they dominate on defense, it's because their dudes are just way better than your dudes. 
Yeah. I mean, you want to disagree with that, Ryan? Feel free to do so, but I'm not impressed with Pete Golding. Yeah. Um, and their defensive line aren't as well coached as they used to be. It's, I believe it's the same guy that's been there for a while, correct? I'm not sure. Uh, about I that. could be wrong on Maybe. that, but you know, I'm just I'm not impressed by it, to be honest with you. And I just think Keon as a as a young man is a like I said, he's a he's a good kid. He's he's a Notre Dame type of kid. And I don't know how well he's gonna fit in Alabama. I really don't. You know, well, he's a kid from a, a really good academic private school in high school, you know, high school and, and all that kind of stuff. I just I, I I'm for him, I'm concerned about the fit. I really am. That's fair. I, I think for Ed's question, Brian, a quick a quick a quick exercise that we could do is tell me who you think are the three potentially the three best defensive players in Notre Dame in 2022. Three best Notre Dame players in 2022. Defensively. Defensively. Um, I mean, for me, it, it would be, well, it's best on each level. How about, or, you know. Yeah, let's I mean, go best on each. Wait, no, okay. no. Um, that wasn't where I was going to go with it. But okay. I mean, three best way, is debatable, but let's just yeah. say Foskey, yes. uh, Brandon Joseph, mm-hmm. and either Cam Hart or Jason Adamiola. That's And that's where I was going to go to the point of, you just, you already mentioned Isaiah Foskey wasn't ranked as a top 200. It's a four-star, but not a top 200. Top 200, right. Brandon Joseph was a three-star. I know Mm -hmm. that composite. Like, everybody across the board thought he was a three-star. And Cam Hart was a three-star wide receiver coming out of high school. So, to to that point, yes, you can find the value there. That doesn't mean that they're not talented. It just means that there's probably a different road that they have to take to getting where they need to go. Right. And Jason Adamiola was kind of in the middle. He was ranked 45th by 247 Sports, but 237 by ESPN, 169 by Rivals. Right. And so Bra- yeah. Brandon Joseph played in college station in Texas right. and Texas A&M did not go after him. Bet you they're uh, regretting that one. Taking I love, I love Mike Elko, but that's a bit of a miss. No, I'm, I'm kind of joking about that because like Jesse Bates was from Fort Wayne and Jesse True. Bates was not a Notre Dame caliber player coming out of high school. That's fair. I mean, so, so it, we're saying that in good fun, but I mean, but I, I will say this though. I did see Brandon Joseph's film. I watched that about a week or so ago and I'm like, yeah, I don't know why this kid was ranked as the number. Like, I'm looking at ESPN and 247 Sports. They didn't even have him in the top 100 in the state of Texas. That was – no, I'm sorry. Like, have you seen you his like high school? Yeah, I mean, I would, I have, would I have been like, oh, my God, I'm so glad Notre Dame got this guy. He's a future consensus All-American? No. I w- he got longer, yeah. he filled out, and he got more explosive athletically. But he was a smart – you could see the instincts – because he was fluid, he made a lot of plays on the ball. I know he was like, really productive in high yeah. school. I mean, like yeah. last year, I thought he almost had a hundred tackles and yeah. a few interceptions. And, yeah, I mean, yeah. he's a good football player. I would have, yeah. I, I would have said I, he's not a super. You know what? He, not quite to Adon Schuler's level, but I would have said a lot of things about him that I say about Adon. Maybe not the most explosive guy, but really smooth and fluid, really aggressive. Uh, gets his hands on a lot of footballs. Whereas Adon is more of a downhill. So like their style was different. But like the, the the attributes I would have explained are the same. Smart, heady, you know, make, covers a lot of ground, makes a lot of plays on the ball. Adon does that more as a run defender and jumping routes where Brandon, you could see even then. I mean, there's a play where he's playing center field. He baits the quarterback, jumps it, and just, you know, picks it off. Well, gee, we've seen that before. Sure. But now I just think the athletic package is taking a jump. And honestly, sometimes that happens. I mean, mm-hmm. that's the reality. I mean, how do some of these kids go – how does Ali Marpet go to Hobart? You know what I mean? Like guys develop at different stages, but yeah. So I, I give Coach Elko a, a hard time for that. I have a great deal of respect for Mike Elko. It's just a little bit of a little bit of a fun jab for him. Tyler Binge, this we're gonna we're getting close to wrapping up here. Uh, Tyler Binge, 
How did Saban win that first in 09 in Clemson in 2016? They have developed their talent they had in the program that weren't necessarily five stars coming out of high school. Now, I will say one thing. Alabama did have the number three ranked class in the country coming into that year. So their freshman class was ranked very high. Mm-hmm. Uh, and their 2008 class was ranked very high. So they they were starting to accumulate talent, but that's kind of similar to where Notre Dame is. And Sean Davis and I have talked about this. They had the number six class in the country last year. Notre Dame did. And and this year, I, I still believe they're going to finish with a top five class. Is it quite the top three that Bama had in, in eight and in eight, nine? No, but it's definitely better than what it's been. But one of Bama's classes was coming into that was ranked like 16th. So, um, you know, so to your point, you know, we talked about this last week, Ryan, and, and Alabama had some stars on that 2009 championship team now, but not all those stars were necessarily stars coming out of high school. Sure. You know, so Alabama's recruiting classes back then uh, were, were ranked, you know, I think like 16th one year. And and let me see if I can find some some of these rankings. I have to go to rivals for it. But they were not top 10 classes until 08. Mm-hmm. But they had some stars. They had Rolando McClain. They had Mark Ingram, who was not a top 100 player coming out of high school. Uh, they had Julio Jones, who was a sophomore on that 019. He was a five-star guy. Mark yeah. Barron was a top 100 guy who was a highly ranked guy. Like, they had some guys. But some of their other stars, like Kareem Jackson, was a three-star recruit who I believe – I get him and Javier Arenas confused. One of them, I believe the runner-up was Bowling Green, and the other one with the runner-up was Florida International. Wow. They were three-star recruits. They're starting uh, three, four edge players were Eric Anders, who was a two-star, and Corey Reamer, who was a three-star, right? And so they were mixed in with some with Rolando McClain and Mark Barron. To your point, their quarterback, Greg McElroy, not a big-time recruit, right? So – you know there were there were some big time players, but to Tyler's point, they 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 Nick Saban identified some guys. And remember the year before Ryan, they lost their best player from the year before. Andre Smith went to the NFL. Oh yeah, right. Time. And you know he was a, he was a top draft pick. So you know it, it's one of those things where you know Clemson we've talked about a lot, where Clemson built up their run on the backs of some good but not elite recruiting classes, elite from a ranking standpoint. But they were getting good players that fit, and they developed them, and they had a big-time quarterback. Yes. That's the difference. Alabama was able to win without big-time quarterbacks because they recruited so much elite talent. Clemson recruited really good talent, some elite, but really good talent, but they had an elite quarterback. Mm-hmm. And Notre Dame has to follow the a little bit of a blend of both, I think. I think Notre Dame's recruiting peak – can be better than Clemson's during their buildup. I do believe that. Will it be what Bama's was? No, it won't. But if you can still develop those type of players, then you're gonna you're gonna have some success. Because as I as I talked about, you know, like Alabama lost some dudes. They lost Andre Smith and Antoine Caldwell off that team. They lost Glenn Coffey, who was their leading running back. They lost Rashad Johnson off that team. I forgot you know? about Glenn Coffey, man. Yeah. He was a tough, yeah. tough runner. Yeah. <laughs> He's a tough You know, player. and they went out the next year and won a title. After getting their butts, brains beat in by Utah in the in the Sugar Bowl, they went out the next year and ran the table and were one of his better teams, even though the talent wasn't there. Mm-hmm. That's what Notre Dame has to do. But yeah. that, that requ- that's going to require Tyler Buckner to be what we, we hope he can be, and it's going to require C.J. Carr to be what we hope he can be. Because right. they're not going to be able to match talent for talent at every single position as Bama. They have to have a couple positions where they out recruit Bama at so offensive line, quarterback, places like that. And then the development has to be top notch. And that's why every day you say, Boy, am I glad 
that Bob Diaco called Brian Kelly and said, you have to hire Matt Bayless. Because had Bob Diaco not done that, I don't I don't know if we're in the same conversation. That's very I don't true. know if we're in the same conversation. So uh, I think that's a great place to end this end this show. So I want to thank everybody. Uh, make sure you're checking out irishbreakdown.com today because we are going to have some updates. Sean Styers, I'm actually as soon as I finish this, I'm going to I'm going to publish edit and publish story that Sean sent me. He's got an injury update. There was a lot of injury conversation from Coach Freeman today, just updating where everybody is. So I'll have that up here in the next 10 minutes or so at irishbreakdown.com. And I'll obviously publish it on our message board, and I'll tweet it out at CoachD178. So you'll see it at both. I also will have it on our Facebook page, uh, which we haven't really let any new customers in because we're trying to weed out some stuff first before we add new people in. There's so much spam on Facebook. It's unreal. It's even more than we get in our chat here, to be honest with you. So we have to be careful with that. Um, so, uh, just want to make sure that everybody says that check out the message boards at boards at irishbreakdown.com. Everybody that joins the vast majority of people that join, that join, uh, know, know what it's about. And it's a, it's a great place to have some conversation. Uh, and, uh, as long as you show each other respect, you know, it's, it's good. Well, be passionate and disagree and all that other kind of stuff. So, uh, definitely make sure you check that out. Hit that like button, everybody hit that subscribe button, hit that notification bell, share this podcast. And as Ryan said, the sun will come out tomorrow. Notre Dame is going to be just fine. Players have to make a decision. Do you want to be the, do you want to be on the ground floor of something special or do you want to go somewhere else and just be the next whoever? There's going to be a lot of kids that want to be on the ground floor of something special and that's why that's why this thing is rolling in a great direction and why we're still excited even though we're super bummed about Keon as a player and as a young man, great kid, but Notre Dame's going to be okay. And that's end of the day, that's where that's where we're going to leave it. So, thanks for joining us. We'll be back tomorrow or tonight, Sean Styers, and and uh, they're going to talk about the Manti Teo documentary tonight on Irish Breakdown, IB Sports Nation at 6 o'clock. I so watched that they, last night. I watched I have, that last night. I haven't yeah. watched it yet. Ryan Ryan asked me. I said it was really good. Sean really liked it. They're going to talk a lot. They're going to get some updates from the, from the practice. Sean was at the practice today for the first five periods. He was at Coach Freeman's press conference today. He'll talk about that a little bit, but they're going to really talk a lot about the Manti Teo situation and – you know, Sean and I were talking about on the phone, and it it really is heartbreaking that Manti is not known right now for being the most decorated linebacker in college football history. Nobody talks about that when Manti's name comes up. Like, you know, he should be a guy that Notre Dame is trotting out every other day to, to as a rep. But unfortunately, because of that whole situation, it's just it just doesn't turn out that way. Unfortunately, but hopefully, this is a step from what you've told me, from what Sean told me. Hopefully, this is a step in in sort of rehabilitating his image because. He was a phenomenal player, just a phenomenal player. Uh, and I'm glad that he's telling it, getting his chance to tell his story. So I love to hear that. So thanks, everybody. Have a great day. Six o'clock tonight, IB Nation Sports Talk, talking about Manti Teo, ladies with Notre Dame. We'll be back tomorrow. Uh, we'll do some mailbag stuff. We're, Ryan and I may, may do an impromptu show tomorrow night, not recruiting related, but more of related to some of the stuff we got to get caught up on. We'll have a show on Saturday. Lots, lots, lots going on. So stay locked in to the Irish Breakdown Podcast.
Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day from Movement. Whether your mom is into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, Movement has something she'll love. And right now, everything at Movement is up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale. A watch is a gift that celebrates all the time you spent with mom. And a Movement watch is even more than that. Movement uses industry-leading materials for their fresh modern watch designs, from technically complex ceramics to vintage-inspired style, all for an incredible value your wrist and wallet will both love. And with one-size-fits-all convenience and fast-free shipping and returns, it's a stress-free shopping experience. Save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with Movement. Get up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com.